Welcome investors to the Absolute Return Podcast, your source for stock market analysis, global macro musings, and hedge fund investment strategies. Your hosts, Julian Klamotko and Michael Kesslering, aim to bring you the knowledge and analysis you need to become a more intelligent and wealthier investor. This episode is brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. Welcome, folks, to the Absolute Return Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Klamachko. I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Kesslering. And on today's show, we welcome special guest, Terran Orbital CEO and Chairman Mark Bell. Terran Orbital is a pioneer in the development, innovation, and operation of small satellites and Earth observation solutions. On the podcast, Mark discusses how he built numerous successful businesses in different industries, including real estate, entertainment, and space, the opportunity that he sees in small satellites, how running a vertically integrated business gives them a competitive advantage, keys to thriving as an entrepreneur and business leader, and more. A point of disclosure, the Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF is long shares and warrants of Tailwind 2 acquisition, the SPAC in which Terran Orbital is merging with. That being said, please enjoy our show with Terran Orbital Chairman and CEO, Mark Bell. Glad to have you on the show here, Mark. Just going through some of your background, um, it's super interesting. You're quite the modern-day renaissance man. You found numerous companies besides Terran Orbital, including Armor Residential REIT, an internet infrastructure company, a nightclub, a pizza restaurant. You're a producer of a Tony Award-winning musical, and more. How did you figure out to succeed at so many seemingly disparate businesses and initiatives. I actually took a couple years off to teach in grad school. And I took my, I always told my students, always do something you believe in and do something you love. <clears throat> if it's not something you love, you shouldn't do it. And if it is something you love, you will be successful at it. Yeah, that's great to know. So you're really motivated by passion. And if the passion's not there, then the uh, effort definitely doesn't follow. Um, and with that motivation, with that passion, I was wondering, like, anything specifically that enabled you or encouraged you to take new risks in brand new industries and sectors where you didn't necessarily have a specialization in? You know, I, it's funny. My uh, a career on Broadway, uh, where I won a Tony Award uh, for Grammy Award winning musical Jersey Boys, and another Tony Award for Pulitzer Prize winning uh, August Osage County uh, was all done basically on a dare. Uh, as I was not a Broadway fan, I felt that the, the small seats, uh, no place to put your coat. And a friend of mine, oh, a friend of mine comes up to me. He's like, I want you to do a Broadway show with me. And I said, absolutely not. Can't stand Broadway. No way. And he was nagging me and nagging me. I said, I'll do it on two conditions. One, I win a Tony Award. And two, I make money. And, if, and he goes, done deal. And we laughed and we went to <laughs> dinner. I knew this was a dumb idea. And uh, my very first show was, uh, it was opening night. And you have to sell a certain amount of tickets before opening night to be successful. And I think it was like at that time, it was like three or four million dollars. We had sold like two million dollars of tickets. We're at dinner writing the obituary, uh, both for the show and my friend, and uh, decided this was. You know, I was just I was nagging him nonstop. Why do you make me do this? Why do you make me do this? <laughs> the next thing we know, the show happens, opening night, 
And the New York Times writes this two-page spread about our lead actor, uh, John Lloyd Young, God's Gift to Broadway, and the show was called Jersey Boys, and uh, which went on to be one of the highest-grossing shows in the history of Broadway. And uh, so I was like, oh, so then when they asked you to do a play, it was an easy decision. I was like, all right, I'll do another one. We won another <laughs> Tony Award. And I was like, next thing you know, we have a billion-dollar business you know, on Broadway. And uh, became a, uh, it was all about making people leave the theater, wanting to go back and having a good time. And if you look at other things that I've done, it's all about having fun and having a good time and loving what you do in life. Mark, you make it seem so easy. Uh, if we could all just be so lucky going into Broadway like you did, uh, first time was a tremendous success. Now transitioning to the small satellite industry, not at all alike uh, as compared to Broadway, but in any event, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun doing it. What was the opportunity that you saw in small satellites such that you co-founded a company focused on it? So when I was a, when I was 10 years old, I watched a 24-hour Star Trek marathon and a Trekkie was born. And then I decided that was my dream was to become an astronaut and didn't quite work out as planned. And uh, my father told me, and then I started playing with computers. My father told me there's no future to computers. I should become a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant. So I got my degree in accounting, got my master's. And uh, but I want to play with computers. And uh, so I started off and I started building a company called Globix. And we ran 20,000 miles of fiber in the early 90s. But we couldn't reach everywhere on Earth, especially Eastern Europe. So we set up a company called NetSat Express, where we built ground stations throughout Eastern Europe to provide internet connectivity to ISPs there and started buying satellite transponder space. And that was my first uh, iteration of working with satellites. And I thought it was awesome. So now fast forward, uh, it's about 10 years ago or so. I'm at the Milken Conference out in LA. Um, I got invited to go down to see SpaceX. I'm touring SpaceX. And I was just amazed by these incredibly large rockets. And it just I was just living a dream, going through the place, getting a tour. Someone was telling, showing me that, telling me they can put a school, something the size of a school bus into outer space. I'm like, why would you want to put something? This, a, why would you want to put a school bus into outer space? And I go, no, no, no. It's just, it's just, it's just an image. I go, I get it. But why would anybody build something in the skies of a school bus? We went around and around, and they're like, what are you thinking of? So I'm thinking of building really small satellites. The way I looked at it is that my iPhone had more computing power than the space shuttle. Why are we still building satellites the size of school buses? So we went ahead and I found the guys who invented the CubeSat. And it was a guy named Dr. Jordy, Jordy Pugsuari and Bob Twiggs. I went up and met Jordy up at Cal, Cal, uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where he's a professor. Asked if he wanted to join me on my journey. And he said, sure. But I had this parts company called Tyvek. And he, Tyvek was the company that was the founder of this whole industry. If you think of Planet, Spire, Black Sky, every small sat company out there wouldn't exist today if it wasn't for Tyvek. Because Tyvek was providing everybody all the parts to build all their CubeSats. So the first thing we did when we took over is we stopped selling parts to everybody else. because but, but it was open source. He, he allowed everybody to copy it. But we, we decided we're not going to help enable people. Let's build the satellites ourselves. So we started building CubeSats. Uh, one of the first is now been sent to the Smithsonian Institution, uh, which will be on permanent display starting next year, and which we're very excited about. And we are, uh, and we started, and we started building CubeSats, and then they got bigger and bigger. And now we build things the size of small and large refrigerators. We don't build CubeSats anymore. And we look, you know, space. Everyone loves rockets. Who doesn't? Great things. They launch into the sky. Everybody talks about SpaceX, Rocket Lab. 
all these great companies launching rockets. Everybody wants to see a launch, which is very exciting. But, and, everyone, and everyone talks about there's going to be 50,000 satellites that are going to be launched over the next 10 years. You hear that over and over again from different people. But the one thing you never hear about is who's going to build them. So that's us. And that's what Terra Noble's plan is doing. You know, we are building facilities and building factories and expanding. And, you know, we already have on the books uh, capacity for well over a thousand satellites a year. And we continue to add more and more capacity, more and more people. And we decided, unlike all my other brethren in my industry, to, they all got acquired by big companies. We decided to stay independent because we knew what we would be worth, you know, three, five years from now, I knew it'd be worth a lot more than I'm worth today. And if you look at today's news, we announced that we, we've received since our last public filing in October, we've, uh, uh, since, since October 1st, we've signed over $170 million of new contracts and awards. That is, you know, I mean, we're a little company, not so little anymore. And we're getting big very fast. And this is, this is the fifth unicorn that I've built. So I know how to scale a business. I know how to build things. And my goal is always to hire the best and the brightest. And a lot of people I've hired are former military, former Army, Navy, Air Force. They were the customer. They ran space for the customer. And that has been, you know, so we, we have incredible insight into our customers. We are all about national security and the national interest. We do do commercial work. We do do civil work. But our focus is on the DOD and the IC community. And it's a, you know, the U.S. government always pays their bills. And we like that. And we are, um, you know, and we decided the SPAC over all the other, we needed capital. And we decided a SPAC out of all the things we could have done, uh, gave us the highest likelihood of, clo- of, ga- of certainty to- of closure. So we could, if we tried to do an IPO two weeks ago, it would have been a market out and we would have been nowhere. <clears throat> we thought about a direct listing, but we just, and, and I had experience, uh, myself and my partner, Dan Staden, back in, in 2007, we did one of the early SPACs, a $250 million SPAC called Enterprise Acquisition. Yes, named after the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> and we went ahead and uh, that SPAC ended up uh, by, in 2009, which of course, you know, was a bad year. We ended up with 90% redemptions. There were no pipes back then. So on $25 million, we started Armor Residential REIT, which today has returned over $1.5 billion of dividends, starting with a $25 million equity raise, being one of the most successful SPACs, DSPACs in history. So we decided with doing a SPAC, it was an arousal. We don't view ourselves, the SPAC is just a vehicle at the end of the day. It's all about the target company. You know, target company, it's all about focusing on who they're acquiring, you know, how good is their business model? We're a real company with real revenues, real backlog, real pipeline, and real management. And that's what a lot of these startup SPAC, startup SPAC acquisitions don't have. And we have a track record, a 30-year-plus track record of myself and my management team of being successful and delivering share value back to shareholders uh, over the past three decades. That's super relevant and very helpful for investors to know that you have you know, track record and have done a SPAC transaction yourself, especially from the other side of the table, because as you indicated, uh, things have changed pretty dramatically over the past year with respect to sentiment, not just in SPACs and DSPACs, but, you know, every new issue, either they're getting pulled or they IPO'd before the new issue downturn and they're down 50%. So certainty of cash, especially when you guys are investing aggressively. I know you have a large new facility that you are building. I would like to touch on the business model 
of turn orbital specifically you call it a satellites as a service business model can you describe to our listeners how that works sure it was really two sides of the house of Terran. we have what we call our satellite solutions where we are a contract manufacturer and we build satellites for anybody we have a strategic cooperation agreement with lockheed martin where we go ahead and we build satellites for lockheed martin and their customers we decided to form a strategic uh, partnership uh, relationship i should say with Lockheed, uh, as opposed to going out and being acquired by one of the primes. And because we remain independent, and it's the best of old space being new space. So we have a profitable satellite solutions business, and then we have our data as a service business, our mission solutions. There is where we're building a constellation of satellites. In this case, it's a technology called software-defined synthetic aperture radar. And yes, I know you've never heard of it before, and it's okay because I've never heard of it either until I started working here. And it is a unique technology that allows you to image the Earth, not only during the day like you see on Google Earth on a clear sunny day with no cloud cover, but we can see it at night. We could see it at, uh, we could see through the rain. We could see uh, when it's cloudy out. It's 24-7 imaging, 365 days a year. It's a different technology, and it's predominantly used by governments and militaries. It's never. It's not traditionally a consumer product. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate. Do you want to diversify your investment portfolio while benefiting the planet? The Accelerate Carbon Negative Bitcoin ETF, symbol ABTC on the Toronto Stock Exchange, provides investors with exposure to Bitcoin while protecting the environment. Accelerate implements a global tree planting campaign to sequester carbon emissions and help fight climate change. Up to 10% of ABTC's 69 basis point management fee will be allocated to Accelerate's annual tree planting campaign. For each $1,000 invested in ABTC, an estimated one net ton of carbon dioxide is expected to be sequestered each year. Buy Bitcoin, save the planet. Find out more at investabtc.com. And so for our listeners that aren't as familiar with this industry, can you talk a little bit about your $75 million worth of funded backlog and how probable it is that this will be realized as revenue? We are, funded backlog is contracted, contracted funded revenue. So all that money... Uh, should turn into, unless something happens to a customer, should turn into your booked revenue. So we, we feel highly, when we say it's backlog, we have a high degree of confidence that that's, that's, that's money good. Uh, nothing's ever guaranteed in life. Don't get me wrong. And my lawyers appreciate me saying that. But the reality is we have a high degree of confidence in that, just like all the new business that we've landed. You know, we have a high degree of confidence, but nothing's ever guaranteed. But we continue to build on uh, build, build our book of business and grow our business. And, uh, and that's why we also added new facilities. We announced today we added another 60,000 square feet of production and manufacturing facilities in Irvine. And we will continue to add more facilities and add more people as we continue to plan ahead of programs and ahead of, and ahead of opportunities. So one key aspect of your business is being vertically integrated. How does that you know, give you, whether it be a competitive advantage or does it de-risk the business? Why did you structure it that way? Why did you pursue that vertical integration? So I'm a big believer that you need to vertically integrate in order to control your supply chain to control your future. It's about quality control. It's about technology. 
You know, we are, we're not building something, you know, like a car. If your car leaves a dealership and it breaks down, you have it towed and they bring it back and they fix it. Everything we build has to work perfectly every time. There is no margin for error. And so we have a supplier or a subcontractor who doesn't have that same commitment to quality that we do. We pay the price. And so we have to test every single component over and over again that we buy from a third-party vendor. But the one that we build now 85% of our components in-house. And the goal in the long term is to continue to drive costs down by manufacturing all my own components and drive and drive drive uh, innovation upwards, meaning we will add more bang for the buck on the satellites that we're building. That, that makes a ton of sense. And launching satellites into space, it's not like you can go up there and fix it in case anything goes wrong. So I agree with your sentiment there. Now, looking at the competitive environment, we have seen other firms such as Planet, Satellogic, Black Sky in the small sat segment. Recently, they went public as well. How does your company differentiate itself, itself in what seems to be a highly competitive market? Well, the good news is none of those companies are competitors. All those companies could be customers of mine. We could build satellites for them. You know, if they were smart, they'd let us build their satellites because they're <laughs> cheaper and better. And, uh, but they are all people, potential customers of ours. So we're not competing with them. The constellation we're building is a technology that none of them use. It's a very esoteric technology that, and we're not building it in hope they will come. You see a lot of people out there, they go public, despect, they miss their numbers right away. We haven't quite figured that out yet. Or they get in trouble with the SEC, which we really haven't figured that, that either. But the goal is to, you know, we have a, we put forth numbers that we believe in. We have a product that we, we build, we're, we are a bespoke manufacturer, meaning we're payload agnostic. We can do 5G, Internet of Things. We can do electro-optical imaging. We can do radar, hyperspectral imaging. We can do whatever the customer asks us to do on a satellite. So all we, we're, we're a contract manufacturer. And I can't stress that strongly because it helps, it, it grounds us, but we're also standardizing so many of our parts and components, kind of like Lego, that we're able to do things cheaper and faster. And we, we call that responsive space. And so we are very, so we don't have a lot of competitors left. We're, to the best of my knowledge, we're the last independent manufacturers of small sets in the United States that can handle classified work. I don't believe there's anybody else left in the United States who could do that. And so that's a differentiator. All my competitors on the manufacturing side got acquired. Blue Canyon got acquired by Raytheon, Millennium by Boeing. And so we're, we're the sole guys left. And, um, you know, on the satellite side, it's just a very different product that was originally that's built for a specific customer base. And our customer base wants that product. They came to us to build this for them. And if they're not there, we don't build it. We're not a one-trick pony. So a lot of these startups are doing a single thing from space. We can do anything from space. And we do, but we're not, we're not going to spend shareholder money if the customer is not there. So we would then, you know, we would stop. If the, if the revenues aren't there, we stop. And now a word from our sponsor, Accelerate, one of Canada's most innovative and fastest growing alternative investment solution providers with a suite of institutional caliber alternative ETFs for investors seeking diversification and long-term performance. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund, symbol ARB on the TSX, is the world's first SPAC-focused ETF with a diversified portfolio of SPAC and merger arbitrage opportunities in an easy-to-use, low-cost ETF. The Accelerate Arbitrage Fund ETF trades under the symbol ARB on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. And because of what you had mentioned that you're able to do classified work in the U.S., 
does this contract that you have with the U.S. government, does that limit you from being able to secure contracts with other government agencies globally? No. So we actually have a facility in Turin, Italy called Tyvek International, which is a subsidiary, and they handle all of our foreign work. So we kind of we kind of separate church and state to make sure that everything in the U.S. is U.S. built by U.S. citizens, 100 percent U.S., everything U.S. And then we have a, a foreign facility and they do their own product development uh, outside of what we do here in the States. That makes a lot of sense. Previously, you mentioned the notion of ultimately having 50,000 satellites up in the sky uh, from someone who's not knowledgeable about space at all, not a huge Star Trek fan, but does that ever become problematic? Like, do we need to be concerned about, you know, old stuff, old junk, old satellites in space and cleaning that up? Or is it just so big that it doesn't matter? A little bit of both. You know, we, we, we believe in, you know, we want to be, we want to be, uh, we all believe in sustainability. We are very committed to that. We, every one of our satellites that we build is designed to deorbit and burn up in the atmosphere once this mission is complete. Uh, we don't want to leave any garbage behind. We want to leave a zero footprint in space when we're done with the mission. And that's very important to us. There is some space garbage out there, but thank goodness there's a lot of space in space. <laughs> and if you think about it, you know, there's 3.2 billion cars on the Earth. And only, and I know 60% of the earth is covered by water. So uh, granted, a lot of them crash into each other every day. So maybe it's not the best analogy, but, but there's still a lot of space in space. But we, we work on a program. We also do something called space situational awareness. Uh, that is where we map out all the trash in space. And we're working on building things like collision avoidance systems built into our satellites, similar to what you have on airplanes today. So they don't bump into, they don't bump into that random screw flowing, fl- flying through space. That's good to know. We don't need to worry about things uh, crashing down and uh, you know potentially reaching us down here. Uh, that being said, you're raising a bunch of capital with this going public transaction. You're merging with Tailwind 2 acquisition. With that capital, uh, what are your growth plans? How are you going to take this business to the next level? Well, we're doing a few things. We have the money from Tailwind 2, and then we have another $300 million that we'll be getting from Space Florida to build what will be the world's largest satellite assembly facility uh, in, uh, in Florida. And that'll be a, a 660,000 square foot facility uh, that will be breaking ground on hopefully later this year. And certainly, you seem well on your way to achieving satellite success. I was wondering, just from uh, to pick your brain for a second prior to letting you go today, because you've had a, a very unique background. You've had entrepreneurial success in a number of different industries. What would you say are keys to thriving as an entrepreneur and a business leader? Uh, being horrible at golf and horrible at tennis. So that way, you have <laughs> nothing else to do but work. And that's okay. it's all about drive. You know, you all, you, it's all about, you want to, uh, you know, I love what I do. I work 15 hours a day on most days and I enjoy it. I, you know, it's exciting. I get to build stuff and put into space. Uh, how, how cool is that? That's just fun. And it's, uh, I love what I, you know, if you love what you do, you're happy. You know, I look at friends of mine who are much older than me and they're still working and they love what they do. And I believe that's the key to living a long life is to you know, keep your brain going and keep it moving. Right. And so once the Terran Orbital is up and trading, ticker LLAP, the current SPAC is Tailwind 2 Acquisition, TWNT, you mentioned this is the going to be the only 
US-based small set manufacturer. The rest of the competitors have been acquired. Perhaps that happens someday in the future. What would be next for you in your next chapter, given that you love to work? Where do you see uh, things going uh, in terms of opportunity sets? Say, you know, an entrepreneur is looking uh, out at the universe. Uh, what do you like out there? What intrigues you? I am going nowhere. I am going to stay right here. It, like you said, I'm looking out into the universe. Low Earth orbit's just the beginning. It's a big universe out there, and there's lots of things we can do in it. So I have, I have, I have great plans and great aspirations, and I will be here for quite for many, many years if I have my way. That's good to know. Uh, anything that investors should know about the company prior to letting you go today? No, I, I just want to say thank you for having me today. You know, we are different as we are a real, and I, I, I hate, I don't want to bash SPACs unintentionally, but, you know, we're, you know, we're a real company. We, we were a bunch of, you know, people, we were, we're old, we're experienced, and we know what we're doing, and we've got a plan, and we're executing. And today's announcements is proof that we're executing on that plan. Yeah, and I like the track record of success. Five-time unicorn creator. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Really enjoyed it and, uh, you know, love your outlook and your commitment. Uh, not too many are willing to put in the hours and the work that you do. So congrats on the success thus far and wishing you the best of luck with your going public transaction. Thank you very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Absolute Return Podcast. This episode was brought to you by Accelerate Financial Technologies. Accelerate, because performance matters. Find out more at accelerateshares.com. The views expressed in this podcast are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the views of Accelerate. No aspect of this podcast constitutes investment, legal, or tax advice. Opinions expressed in this podcast should not be viewed as a recommendation or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or investment strategies. The information and opinions in this podcast are based on current market conditions and may fluctuate and change in the future. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made on behalf of Accelerate. As to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Accelerate does not accept any liability for any direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage suffered by any person as a result of relying on all or any part of this podcast, and any liability is expressly disclaimed.